Our first lesson comes from the 27th Psalm. It reminds us that we all find refuge in the Lord, whether we are literally encamped in tents or seeking shelter from our enemies. Our confidence comes as we seek God's love. Listen to the word of God as it comes to us from Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes to us again from Matthew's gospel, this time from the end of the gospel at chapter 25, when Jesus speaks to his followers about what the last days will look like. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And the, kings will say, the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry? and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink. And when was it we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these of my family, 
you did so unto me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, open our hearts this day to the word that you would have us hear, that hearing we might be strengthened to be your people, not only in this house, but everywhere we walk. And may all God's people say, Amen. Last week in worship, we remembered our deep need to be refreshed by the presence of God. As Jesus reminded us in the Sermon on the Mount, we cannot provide fully for ourselves. Instead, like the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, we must rely on God to help us with our needs and get us through our troubles. We cannot do it alone. As the book of Exodus reminded us, it wasn't in the promised land, but in the wilderness that the Israelites learned how much they needed God's providence, God's presence. And like them, we must learn to trust. We must learn to trust the manna that God provides for us, the manna that is right in front of our eyes. Isn't that the same lesson that we heard in our first scripture today that Betty read so beautifully? The psalmist testifies, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For God will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. God provides for us, and we can never forget our deep need for the Lord. Does that mean then that it's only our own welfare that should concern us? Of course not. At the end of my meditation last week, I named this truth that our refreshment is not for us alone. Our refreshment instead is because of God's desire for us to do justice and love kindness. It's for that reason that we're compelled to remember our dependence on God so that we can be refreshed for the calling that we have. Or to put it another way, we are only equipped for justice and kindness if we also commit to walk humbly with our God. We need it. We need it. We need to remember our dependence on God. If we imagine that somehow we can snap our fingers and make the world a better place on our own, we run the risk of failure. We run the risk of arrogance. And even with our best intentions, we can actually make matters worse. 
make matters worse. We are only able to love because God first loved us. Today I want to explore what it means to be a vessel of that love, God's love, God's justice. Jesus names it so clearly when he says, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. This is what we are called to do, all of us, to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbors as ourselves in these concrete ways. How do we do it? Extending God's love takes so many different forms. This month alone has been a testament to the many ways Westwood reaches out to embody this calling. Early in the month at the Homeboy 5K walk, we had six of our members participate with feet literally on the ground and we raised money for it too. Our goal was $500. We raised over $1,100, praise God. Last Sunday, our student ministries filled 15 large welcome home kits, equipping those newly housed by PATH with kitchen tools and other essential items. Many of you contributed to that as well. Next week, we'll have our monthly food drop-off, a week early note, our monthly food drop-off for the Wilshire Presbyterian Church's food pantry that feeds so many of those in need. And we continue to support Presbyterian disaster assistance, which is reaching out in response to hurricane and fire-related catastrophes. And today, Today, we celebrate the work of Habitat for Humanity and encourage everyone who can to contribute to hammers and nails so that we can build up not just this house of the Lord, but to work to build everyone, everyone, the shelter that we enjoy, the shelter of the houses of the Lord, that God wants everyone everyone to have. This is who we are at WPC. I'm still new enough here that I don't take credit for it so I can brag on you. <laughs> Two weeks ago at Reverend Charles Orr's memorial service, we were reminded that it was WPC who founded PATH, People Assisting the Homeless, Child Serve, now Foster All, the West Side Food Bank, Habitat, and, and we continue to do things that are creative. As, as Catherine Howe and, and others have recently reminded me, we are the little church that could. We are the little church that did, and we are the little church that still can. I'm thrilled that we still can. I'm thrilled that we are still giving 
and doing and discerning both as a congregation and in our personal lives. We are pressing ourselves to discern what it means and embody what it means to do justice and to love kindness. Is our work complete? Hardly. Your input into the discernment task force focus groups and surveys reveals a deep passion for doing more. Doing more in hands-on opportunities to embody God's vision for the world, to make a concrete difference. And the task force results highlighted the, the passion you have for changing structures as well, to press for environmental justice, to pursue racial justice, to promote economic justice. All of these matter to you. It seems so timely that even before we have a formal rollout of the discernment findings, how very timely that this month Faith Search and Support is launching its study of America's unholy ghosts, the racist roots of our faith and politics, and that Women Reading is inviting everyone, men and women alike, to join the discussion of caste, the origin of our discontent, both of which compel us to discernment about issues of racial justice. This is not going to be one and done. This is deep work that we need to do, and I feel so blessed to be part of this community that's committed to that. And when we leave this place, when we leave this place, what do we do then? I'm convinced that it matters just as much when we leave this house of God, that we are still pursuing God's justice, that we are still building God's shelter for all, not just through the work of the church, but in our daily lives. I'm amazed at all that you do for the good of all of God's people through your creativity and your commitment. Nani. <laughs> she doesn't tell us much about it, but I am proud, proud enough to tell you that she founded and leads the nonprofit Music Heals Minds, a program for memory care communities to enliven these residents with memories that only music can prompt in a way that nothing else can. And, and I think as well of so many of the attorneys in our congregation. Jenny Farrow leading mental health advocacy services, protecting the legal rights of low-income adults and children with mental health disabilities. And attorneys like Steve Hauser working on criminal defense and Dale Larson on election law and education and civil rights and Dave Reinert, a judge in the California Superior Court. I think of so many professors, so many of you professors 
who are training the next generation of leaders in math and in science and psychology and architecture and biblical studies and, and more. And, and I, I think of those of you who are working with particular families who may be teaching or tutoring or nannying, who are making a difference in children's lives as they grow up. And those of you who coach students in a thousand different ways. And those of you who serve in concrete ways, my beloved hairstylist, who I know does as much counseling as I do in any given day as she listens to the needs of others. <laughs> the reality is, most of us can't do all that. None of us can do everything. But we can all do something. We can all do something, no matter what our age or income or health or education, God can still use us for good. And like the widow's might, like the widow's might, everything we do is extraordinarily valuable to God. God sees it. God appreciates it. We can care for those around us. Writing notes to those who are homebound or grieving or overwhelmed, calling or texting or even visiting someone who is frustrated in isolation. Someone who longs for human company. We can contribute to the better angels of our country's nature by getting out the vote or practicing respectful disagreements. What a concept. We can offer small things to those in need, manna bags. On my way to drop John off at the train last week, I was so moved by seeing people drive up in a van and hand out water and snacks to the tent encampment residents at Exposition and Sawtell. And we can offer up our prayers. Yes, I really believe that prayer is a gift. And I know how much it has meant to me when I've heard that people are praying for me in my grief or in my struggle, pray for those in need. Oh, one last takeaway. Did you notice that in Jesus' teaching, there is a blessing for those who give as well as a blessing for those who receive? Yes, there's the ultimate blessing of heavenly rest being seated at the right hand of the king, but that's not what I mean. I mean, there's an immediate blessing for us. As Jesus reminded us, every time we see someone who is hungry or thirsty, 
every time we see a stranger or someone who needs clothing, every time we see someone who is sick or in prison, we are seeing Christ himself. We are seeing Christ himself. Truly, I tell you, as you reached out to one of these, you were reaching out to me. Like manna. Like manna in the wilderness. Christ has been in front of us all along. If only we have eyes to see. Amen.